On today's Josh Nason's Punch-Out, we bid adieu to the year that was 2022 in the year of pro wrestling. That is right. We're here at the finale, the grand finale of the year in pro wrestling review series. Episode 12 has arrived, looking back at the final 31 days of the calendar year. Helping me navigate through everything that happened is Davey Portman of Post Wrestling, a first-time guest. We had a lot of fun, yeah, talking for 90 minutes about everything from the Vince McMahon rumors starting to Sasha Banks' rumors to New Japan starting to the exits, the grand finales, if you will, of both William Regal in AEW and Mandy Rose in NXT and everything else that happened between. Please note, we recorded this on the afternoon of Thursday, January 5th, prior to all the Vince McMahon craziness coming out about his uh, plan to go back to the board of directors, which is now complete as of uh, this Friday morning. I'm recording this intro. So just kind of keep that in mind during that conversation. We had no idea what was to come. Uh, just about an hour and a half after we finished recording. So here we go. The grand finale of the Pro Wrestling Year Review Series for the year 2022 has arrived. Myself, Josh Nason, Davey Portman of Post Wrestling, and you. Let's go. Parting is such sweet sorrow. I said this on the MMA Year in Review series as we came to the grand finale. We're also at the grand finale of the Year in Pro Wrestling series in year two of doing this. And I've enjoyed bringing on a lot of first-time guests. And I have one of those people here right now. Someone that I wasn't sure I was going to be able to get. But luckily, I was able to secure his services here. And I'm very excited about this. I have heard him on uh, Post Wrestling before. I heard him again on the, my, and I'm not just saying this, one of my favorite podcasts of the year is the best and worst of editions on Post Wrestling. He is the co-host of the Up Next podcast with Brain Harrington. And I got to see him in, uh, obviously, the post-anniversary fifth, uh, post-wrestling fifth anniversary show uh, in, uh, in New, beautiful Newark, New Jersey. And uh, does all types of great stuff with Post. Davey Portman's here. Davey, welcome. Hello, 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 Josh. Uh, thanks for having me. Uh, pleasure to be here. Happy New Year and all that. All that, yeah. I, I'm glad to uh, see you. I mean, you look great. Uh, so you survived Newark, um, as, uh, as as many people uh, you know maybe not have. Uh, but yeah, that was a uh, that was quite a weekend there in New Jersey. Just about. I was I was battling uh, food poisoning or a stomach bug or something, but uh, kind of. Uh, it was like the the Michael Jordan with that game when he had the flu. Like I made it through that post show. I kind of put myself together for that. But yeah, I just about survived uh, Newark, New Jersey. Yeah, that was uh, I, I, we were talking about this uh, off air. That was a uh, that was a really fun time. It was cool to see how the post uh, wrestling fans uh, took to all of you, and you know, for a lot of them, meeting you for the first time. I know many of the co-hosts uh, on the on or parts of the pot, the uh, post wrestling network had never met each other, you know? So and I know Andrew Thompson had never met John and way in person before. And so many of you have not had not actually got a chance to meet each other. So that was a, a cool experience. Yeah. Su- super cool. Um, I mean, got to know a bunch of the co-hosts and kind of listeners and stuff during the pandemic as we were um, doing just zoom shows all the time. So kind of surreal when you finally meet someone, but it, it almost, doesn't feel like it's the first time meeting them because you've been talking like weekly for the last three years, but uh, it was really nice. I mean, that the, the show itself was fun. Full gear was fun, but definitely the highlight was just getting everyone together. All these listeners, all these 
uh, podcasters and just getting to hang out was was a fantastic time. Mm. I should have mentioned you also you do the Poison Rana podcast. Is that is that the newly named? I'm trying to remember kind of the nomenclature that just got renamed. It actually was announced at the uh, fifth anniversary show. I guess t- t- for listeners that may not be familiar with what you do, why don't you explain where they can hear you and what you do? Yeah, so uh, I'm part of the Post Wrestling Network. I've been hosting a show called Up Next with Braden Harrington for uh, coming up for five years now. We we did our first show for the uh, NXT Takeover New Orleans uh, way back when, and uh, yeah, NXT was this this really hot product for quite a while, especially that sort of uh, I'd say 2015 to 2018 era it was really really hot so we've been reviewing nxt every single week um with a show called up next um but we've kind of since the inception of aew we've we've covered other stuff as well and we've we've branched out we talk about uh movies the world uh obviously more wrestling like aew and new japan and the like um but yeah we thought we felt it was time that we kind of outgrown nxt a bit and we wanted to it was also tricky trying to get new listeners because you'd you'd be like oh i i present up next and they go oh well i don't watch nxt anymore Mm. it's like well we we talk about other stuff (laughs) so we realized we had to kind of get away from the branding of nxt um so now our up next show is on the post wrestling network uh we go live every tuesday on youtube uh youtube.com slash post wrestling and then the feed that used to be up next is now poison rana so on that show we do a weekly sunday show talking all about uh the week's news in wrestling and kind of uh that's where we do our aw chat as well um and then over at our patreon covering uh yeah film tv uh old wrestling new wrestling and and everything so yeah we're, we're a month into the the rebrand but uh so far so good that's good. Awesome. Uh, yeah, so we'll get into uh, December, of course, the uh, final month of, uh, of the year for those people that uh, don't know how to read calendars. And we're going to go over everything that happened over the month. I had, uh, three. It was a little bit less of a month in terms of headlines, just 399 headlines I scanned for this <laughs> edition here. And for the first time ever, uh, Davey, I told you this uh, before we began, we're going to lead off with NXT because uh, obviously it's in the, well in your wheelhouse. And we'll start, of course, the, the big news of the month was this uh, – sudden release of mandy rose so the company releasing mandy rose this came just i believe i believe the next day or two days after uh roxanne perez defeated her for the uh, nxt women's championship in a match that got moved up from early january and this just it was kind of like well what happened and then we learned what happened was she had a account on something called fan time which i had never heard of before it was posting some uh racy pictures on there under a screen that a lot of people didn't know it was her, but some of the internet, of course, did know it was her. And then posted some that kind of crossed the the uh, the threshold of what WWE would tolerate. And uh, it got brought to Shawn Michaels' attention, I believe, from Matt Bloom. And then they discussed that, and uh, she was uh, they moved the title match up. She lost, and then she was released the next day. Uh, she had made, of course, the headlines the week after. Was, she made about half a million on fan time since the release. She upped the price a little bit. And that the her agent, who is also a uh, an agent for a lot of UFC fighters and so on, uh, Malki Kawa, had said that uh, she was going to be the first million dollar uh, self uh, let me say self made millionaire on uh, fan time. She was going to make that by Christmas, and they just announced it actually um, just after the first of the year. So this was a uh, this whole story 
was a surprise because she had just celebrated what one year as champion. And what were your thoughts when this whole thing just kind of, you know, came out all at once? Yeah, very odd. I mean, we do cover NXT weekly and we found at the time we, we spoke on our live show how it seemed kind of odd how quickly they bumped up this uh, this Roxanne Perez match. Um, this this, as you said, Mandy had been champion for well over a year and it felt suddenly it was very rushed considering that it was such a long title reign it just felt very rushed getting the title off of her and i i do think roxanne was the right choice but just kind of came out of nowhere and then you're hearing all this news about fan time and and all that um i definitely think there are some double standards when it comes to uh comes to this release um we heard Athena and Ember Moon like earlier last year talk about how um, female wrestlers in NXT since the 2.0 branding were actually told to kind of dress a bit more like Mandy and Toxic Attraction, be a bit racier. Um, it feel it seems like WWE knew about this um, for a while, the fan time, but it wasn't really until uh, someone started leaking uh, some of the content online that this release happened um i don't know for me i'm like for me it's it's a body it's what the woman chooses to do with it and i don't think it's something you should be fired for uh i think it's way more kind of uh a much worse look when you have situation like the jimmy uso arrest where there was a video going around of that and him being intoxicated and the the kind of wwe statement for when things like that happen or uh matt riddle's situation as of late is well what our uh, independent contractors choose to do in their own time uh doesn't reflect on us and their behavior and their actions doesn't reflect on us i don't know it seems one rule for one one for another um so but power to her like making a million dollars in in a month is is yeah. pretty pretty insane so good for her i i wonder if we're gonna see her again in the world of wrestling um but yeah i it definitely this one kind of left a a bad taste in my mouth i'm i'm wouldn't say i'm a huge mandy rose fan but uh, i didn't really like how the whole thing went down yeah the whole independent contractor thing is uh it's so tricky both for uh pro wrestlers, uh, especially really in WWE, uh, when you consider what they're asked to do, um, the limits that they have put on them and the fact that they can't in AEW, it feels more like in, in a true independent contractor, because obviously there's some sort of control there. Um, Tony Khan has, has kind of talked about that before, but you see talents appear for the most part all over the place, unless they sign exclusive. And even when they, when they sign exclusive, it doesn't necessarily mean their their full time is in like getting 401k benefits and getting the things that most people so associate with like normal jobs in WWE. I mean, things like this, uh, you know, they, they still have to pay for travel, which I think is ridiculous, you know, uh, traveling from from on the road. And it's um, but I can also see the company's opinion where if they're like, you know, we're, we're trying to, to pitch to families and kids and all that. But there's uh, there's there's so many just different like nuances and, and vagaries with this thing in that you can say on one hand is this, but then the other hand is this. Um, yeah. I, I wouldn't be surprised if she is out of the game for a while. Cause she's like, look, I don't have to, if, if wrestling's not in the blood, then maybe she's like, look, I can make a few million dollars a year doing this. And if, as long as she's comfortable with it, and that's my stance with hmm. all the only fan stuff and, and these type of things, if they're comfortable with it, um, 
You know, it's hard, hard for anyone, any of us to say they shouldn't be able to do it. It's uh, it's an, it raised an interesting conversation, but you know, WB said, well, you're done and good for her. At least she has some sort of revenue to go back on, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, I, I wonder how sustainable things like fan time and things like True. that are. Yeah. Um, you've obviously, you've got a lot of buzz. It's, uh, the, this headline did make a lot of kind of the wrestling news sites, obviously, and I think that can, uh, on a on a way smaller level, when the uh, pandemic hit and I lost my like shoot job, if you will, because I work in the in the service industry, um, I saw our Patreon go up because people kind of want to support off that news, and that's just a minuscule version, but. I do see that with Mandy Mandy Rose, kind of this news and people who maybe didn't know she had this site beforehand be like, oh, that's something I, I want to check out. Um, I wonder, like six months, a year from now, if she is making the same kind of money and maybe that's when she'll maybe dip her toes back in the water of pro wrestling. Mm, good point. Uh, and also the big news of the month, this came as a bit of a surprise, Dragon Lee signed with WWE and now he's going to be joining NXT in January. So his uh, debut should be imminent as we speak. And yeah, this was a surprise in a lot of ways because, you know, he appeared on AEW TV uh, and WWE reportedly learned that when he was working there without a contract, that uh, this was going to be, that they might have some true interest. And it was just kind of a perfect confluence of things for, for the company and also for him that he's making uh, reportedly more than most NXT contracts, but, you know, a little, little bit less than Apollo Crews. Uh, I, I assume it's on his, uh, his main roster deal while he's down, but uh, you know, that there's nothing really, he wants to make some real money. There's nothing for him in Mexico right now in terms of being able to really make some sustainable money. We're talking about Manny Rose making money and so on. Um, talking in, in the new Japan had dried up because of this political relationship with the CMLL. And he's like, I, he talked to AEW, but he just felt that this was the right move for him. And, you know, I, I he talked to a lot of people, I assume, some of those people that are in AEW that uh, may not be getting the spots and, and some of the uh, the shine that they think that they deserve, which is a, a common theme there. And he's just he's taking the leap, and we'll see what happens with it. But there seem to be there there seem to be excitement for this in, in a way that uh, you know I, I don't think I don't think we've seen we've seen with a lot of WWE signings because a lot of people you know the AEW hardcores are always thinking oh we want them in AEW, but I think obviously I think they're even seeing. There's there's no spots like there's no room to add other mm. people yet they keep adding in other people so this should be good I'm excited to see what happens if they obviously they change his character at all there's a question about the mask all stuff we're gonna see but you know in the in the interim for as long as he's there which could be a year or so before he gets called up if that happens uh, I'm intrigued what about you Yeah I, I think this is a great move um, as you said AEW is super saturated they've got so many uh, big stars there that like well i mean when was the last time we saw miro for example mm. um so i think this is a great move i think we've started to see uh over the last couple of months uh nxt has become uh, a way more consistent logical show for me which it certainly wasn't in those 2.0 days i think the injection of talent from nxt uk your jd mcdonough's your axioms your Ilya dragonoffs uh, has definitely raised the quality of in-ring work in nxt um and dragon lee would absolutely add to that and i mean the three guys i just mentioned matches against any of those guys sounds great and and maybe shows a bit of a an ethos change as well where we've 
this used to be the thing that who is the hot independent uh talent who we're going to see front row at a uh at a takeover with their their name graphic underneath and this seems to be the first one of them in quite a long time and will be interesting to see if we see uh see more come over and uh, i mean on the other hand as well wwe have always been trying to uh push some sort of mexican talent and a fresh mexican uh kind of face in the in their company and uh quite often doesn't seem to work out uh santos is doing an okay job on smackdown right now but it's always just revert back to Rey mysterio especially when it comes to these masked performers i think your your kalistos your lince dorados grand metal leaks they they never quite reach their potential in wwe but we'll still see now under a triple h led company uh what the what the ceiling is for a dragon league but this certainly excites me Mm-hmm. Same. I agree. All right. Let's go through the rest of the month in NXT. Uh, Tavion Heights, former Olympic wrestler, Giangelo Hancock made his debut on Level Up. Uh, NXT Vintage, Vintage Day was reportedly set and then officially set for Charlotte, North Carolina. Their first show outside the PC for a event like this since uh, since Mania and then before that since the pandemic, which I believe was Portland, Oregon in uh, early 2020. Drew Gulak made his appearance on, uh, made his debut or, or reappeared rather on uh, NXT TV. Lyra Valkyria, Lyra Valkyria, Kyria, I keep messing up that name, uh, <laughs> made her uh, her debut on the show as well, former NXT talent. NXT Deadline, the same day as ROH Death Before Dishonor. What a coincidence there. Uh, the New mm. Day winning the NXT Tag Team titles and Grayson Waller and Roxanne Perez won the first ever Iron Survivor matches. New Year's Evil was announced. Uh, Idris Inoufé got a <laughs> reportedly got a logo uh, tattoo in his chest, which was, I believe, later revealed to be fake. Uh, but USA Network did a whole story on it. It was a whole kind of weird thing. And then uh, I got the Vengeance Day thing. Thoughts about any of that? Uh, I, I really enjoyed the Iron Survivor matches at NXT Deadline, and I think that's a great new sort of uh, concept they've got that they can absolutely uh use again um drew gulak to nxt uh i'm i'm a big fan of his in-ring work i think uh it looks like we're doing something with charlie dempsey uh william regal being back in the company i wonder how long we kind of see uh maybe nxt sort of version of a blackpool combat club with your your gulaks and your dempseys and and perhaps uh a william regal if and when he he can appear on TV. Uh, so the, the Gulak move excites me. Uh, Valkyria has been uh, good so far. I, I'm kind of a little tired of everyone having a bit of a wacky gimmick. We've got the fire girl, we've got the witch, and now we've got the crow lady. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I think in ring, she she's definitely got something. Uh, needs to change that finisher, though. The finish doesn't quite work for me. Um, and yeah, going back on the road, I, I think that's a, a great move. It's something I want to see more of. Uh, you've got your a lot of your main roster crossover now. I expect we'll probably be getting that new day pretty deadly match at Vengeance Day. Um, I wonder how if we'll have any other kind of main roster talent to kind of beef up that card a little uh, to sell tickets. But I'm I'm so glad they're getting out of the CWC for some of these specials. Yep, I would agree. And uh, yeah, I thought the Iron Survivor matches were good. I like the men's a little bit more than the women's just because there was more action, mm. but. Again, as as Shawn Michaels has said, you kind of do these things, and then you uh, kind of see what adjustments you can make. And I think that's a, I, I'm looking forward to the next round of them when they have them, 
because I think we'll see what they've learned. And I think probably they learned they just need more action. And uh, But I, I think that's good. I think it's a, an interesting concept. And that's what we like, new stuff in wrestling. Uh, what we don't mm-hmm. like necessarily in wrestling is we flip to WWE's December was uh, certain specific old faces coming back. And we learned the story that uh, leading off the month, Vince McMahon, Learned he was facing new legal demands from uh, some of his trysts, alleged, alleged trysts and such, and some money being uh, being requested from some ladies that he reportedly sexually assaulted, if not flat out raped. So we're going to see how that turns out. But the other part of this, and I, I don't mean to minimize the first part, but in terms of you know what this could mean, he intends to make a comeback to WWE and reportedly thought that he had uh, bad, bad advice, bad intel. If he had just, uh, just waited it out, everything would, would have been fine. It's, uh, something that I guess crazy billionaires tend to think. And, you know, this story came out again. The first part did not surprise me because again, when these stories come out more and more, uh, people that have been assaulted feel empowered to come out because they feel supported. They don't feel like they're by themselves. And especially in this era, there's a, uh, you know, no better time to do that. If the person's ready to, to talk about those things. And obviously lawsuits happen and things like that, and they, they should um, be able to get some sort of restitution if something did happen. The comeback thing, um, it, it didn't surprise me, but it still did. That, and I, I guess it didn't because there's just a level of arrogance when you get to be a successful person like that, that I can do anything, right? And if you're propped up by millions and millions of people and they say that you're great and everything you've done, you know, I, I can understand why he might think that. I am intrigued to see how this plays out. I don't think it could happen. And the family dynamic too is what fascinates me. If he really thinks this, I mean, his daughter is co-CEO of the company. His son-in-law is Ryan Crave. Like his grandkids with it. I, I just, it's like, I don't know. It's just, uh, it's so odd, but it doesn't surprise me with a Vince McMahon story or a McMahon story. All this just seems to fit, fit the narrative of, of like unpredictability and sadness. And it, it's a, just a weird thing, but I'm very interested to see how it plays out this year. Yeah. Um, unfortunately, I I don't think he's necessarily wrong where he thinks it might just blow over. And I, as awful as that is to to say, we saw when he appeared on SmackDown when these these things first came out, and you've got people chanting for Vince, people doing the the mock kind of bowing thing, like he's yeah. a savior. And I think within our circles we realize how um terrible some of these things are that uh that he's reportedly done but a lot of people don't care and and that's that's really unfortunate but a lot of people a lot of your your casuals and stuff are very much well he he created the thing i i love and i enjoy him as a character and they're kind of okay with that um I, I think it would be a terrible business move for him to come back, both for the uh, like the perception of the company, but just the quality. We've seen the quality across the board uh, increase since his departure. We've seen the stock go up since his departure. Um, but as I said, I, I can't say uh, he's maybe wrong. Um, and, and I'm sure there are uh, a large number of people who watch the product who would welcome him back with open arms, but I absolutely do not want to see it. Yep. I, I would agree with that too. I, yeah, I, I yeah, he, yeah, I, I think, I think you're right in that respect and that he could, he could, he could have just let it blow over and he could still be there, you know? And you just think what 
if he tries to make a power play, what this could do to family, but also all these people that came back under the Triple H regime. I mean, there's just like, there's this whole giant ripple effect of, and again, like the stock price, like there's, I'm fascinated to see how this turns out. It could just be bluster and he may be talked down from it. Uh, I don't know. We'll see. I, this this could be a very fascinating story in a very fascinating year. Yeah, the family dynamic as well. Um, we were seeing before before all this news about Vince came out. Uh, I mean, you had Shane McMahon released in January following the Rumble. You had uh, Triple H obviously had his his huge health scare, but basically stepped back completely from all his roles. There were reports of Stephanie, Stephanie McMahon kind of trying to be pushed out. Um, and she stepped down from her roles at one point to quote unquote focus on her family or whatever it was. Um, and yeah, you had that Pat McAfee interview with Vince kind of saying he sometimes wishes his, his kids did more and basically said he wasn't always particularly like proud of them. So that dynamic as well is, uh, I mean, season four of succession is coming out in a few months and we've, we've definitely seen it completely play out like that in the last year in WWE. Very true. The other big news of the month was the return of John Cena, who uh, at the end of a SmackDown near the end of December, uh, I believe the pre, pre-Christmas pre edition or something along those lines, uh, middle of the month, he all of a sudden this appears on the on the Titantron and does it clearly filmed uh, a promo from somewhere and announced he was coming back for the December 30th SmackDown to team with Kevin Owens against Roman Reigns and Sami Zayn. And, you know, the match happened. He wasn't in there for very long, if at all. But it was just an appearance, kind of knock off the list. But, you know, he he sold a ton of tickets in Tampa uh, where they did the show. And I think the ring did okay for it, if uh, if not a little bit better. But it was, you know, John Cena back uh, for a, a one-off match. And, you know, we'll kind of see what happens for, uh, for WrestleMania and everything. But, yeah, it was just kind of like one of those things, like he just appeared and two weeks later he's doing a match and, it just was this kind of this this in and out thing with uh, celebrities and you know well known figures. They were able to do this stuff, but at least for one night, John Cena was was back in action. Yeah, and it, it was fun to see. Um, I was definitely one of those fans that didn't like Cena for quite a while because he was on TV all the time. Uh, I think he's he's won over a lot of those fans' respect, and yeah. I think it's always always fun to see, even though he didn't do a great deal in the match. We know we're coming up to Mania season. I would imagine he's factored into that. Um, and kind of this little match and tease was was something uh, to set up maybe a Mania program down the line. But yeah, I, I'm always happy to see to see John Cena. He's he's a star and starting to turn heads outside of the wrestling world as well with things like Peacemaker. Yeah. What uh, what WrestleMania match would you like to see Cena in? Uh, I mean... If you can get Austin, there, there's those rumors, aren't there, that Austin might, uh, after getting his feet a little wet last year, might want to dive back in. Um, I think that's a huge match. It doesn't necessarily have to be your five-star technical classic, but, you know, two guys in jorts, two superstars, the <laughs> spectacle of it. I, yeah. I think I, I think that would work. I, I can see them. There's the Austin Theory teases. I could see them doing something with that for the US title a bit more logically, but... Yeah, if you've got Cena and Austin on the same show, why not put them together? I kind of want to see that Logan Paul match just because it'd be weird. Too. Okay, you know what I mean. I've heard that. Yeah, uh, that because Logan Paul said he wants that. I think that would just be a just a fascinating kind of match. I don't. I mean, Paul's been he's been pretty good. You know. Uh, yeah. That, I I don't. 
the the Austin match might work as well. Um, yeah, there's there's possibilities there. So yeah, I was uh, kind of interested in that. All right, let's uh, let's go through uh, there's a few headlines. Let's go through a chunk of these, and I'll kick them over to you for some additional thoughts after I wrap up uh, this first half. Uh, Stephanie McMahon says that WWE needs to bring another stadium show to Australia. So that's going to be, I think, more and more and more kind of one of their uh, their key elements of the playbook. Get money from uh, site fees from these countries, like they did with uh, Cardiff in Wales and just put on these big spectacle shows. And I think that's going to happen there. And again, these are coming in concert with some of these um, media deal renewals that they're coming up in these mm-hmm. areas. So that'd be something to watch. Uh, coming out their 20th anniversary tribute to the troop show. One I return. I did not expect or a signing uh, Eric young uh, announces returning to WWE as uh, his last, his latest impact run ended with him getting shivved in a prison. So that was good. Uh, <laughs> we still haven't seen Eric Young on TV yet, but uh, he'll be back uh, hopefully you know, at some point in uh, 2023. Uh, Kevin Owens, a couple different quotes. He said, wrestling indies while still in WWE, quote unquote, feels like more of a possibility than ever. And later said, it d- doesn't see a reason why he wouldn't re-sign with WWE when it comes up to his next contract. New tag belts are coming. Uh, some buzz about Cody Rhodes, some return talk for the Rumble at Plants for Mania, a backup plan for for Reigns if uh, The Rock doesn't come through. So a little bit of talk there. He obviously appeared in an episode of uh, of Raw um, with a, you know, kind of just a speaking segment on the Best of Show. So he's getting back in the mix, and there's going to be more videos on him. So it's not going to be a surprise appearance. It's going to be kind of a, a thing, they, thing that they build to. Uh, former NX, NFL and XFL player Scooby Wright attended a tryout. Robert Roode underwent spinal fusion surgery. Tegan Knox made her return uh, on SmackDown. Ricochet won the first ever SmackDown World Cup and got a, a intercontinental, intercontinental title match against Gunter later in the month. Uh, Seth Rollins paid tribute to Brody Lee at a house show in Rochester. Sasha Banks, at this point still with WWE, revealed that she wrapped uh, filming her first movie. Bianca Belair participated in the, her first ever bodybuilding competition. The Ric Flair documentary debuted on WWE Network and also Peacock. Solo Sokoa paid tribute to Umaga on Raw. We had some uh, tryouts, interesting names. Kylie Ray, Casey Navarro, Vincent and Dutch uh, all attended a tryout. And then Kylie Ray, Axiom, Andre Chase, Katana Chance, Trick Williams, Idris Inofe, and Malik Blade all made, they made their debuts on main event throughout the month. Former Bellator fighter Valerie Lareda got her new WWE name, which was Lola Vice. Ronda Rousey went into details about her uh, botched DDT spot at WWE Survivor Series to get fans kind of talking. Uh, both Roman Reigns and Drew McIntyre uh, suffered ruptured eardrums at Survivor Series. Becky Lynch said that her shoulder still isn't feeling right. And then uh, Creative was working on plans for Charlotte Flair's return, which we would soon see at the end of the month. Thoughts about any of that? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot there. Uh, I mean, I think the start with the kind of stadium shows, I think that's inevitable. We're going to see more of that. Um, and I hope we move more in the direction we've had where they're they're not glorified house shows, but actually kind of in canon pay-per-views like we've started to see with the Saudi shows and, and Clash of the Castle. Uh, so that doesn't surprise me at all. Um, Owens re-signing, I, I think that makes perfect sense. I think he made absolutely the right move staying in WWE and is is going to continuously be kind of a featured act. Uh, Cody returning, I think Raw desperately needs him. I think SmackDown is definitely the hottest show at the moment. Raw struggles from that, that three-hour anyway, uh, but Cody is definitely the star that they need right now to kind of elevate that show. Um, part of me is, is like I'd... I know you've got that Montreal show where I assume you might do Sammy and Roman. 
But I think the Sammy story is so hot right now that um, that a mania match against Roman could be could be huge in my in my mind. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think Cody is probably that that's been the plan since Cody joined the company. I think that he uh, win the Rumble and go on to face Roman. Um, yeah, the uh, the World Cup with Ricochet. I I kind of I kind of want to see something different from tournaments in wrestling these days. Uh, AEW especially that do a tournament every other week. It seems uh, I'd like to see something a bit different, not just the straight knockout elimination style. Or or if you are doing that, have it with a bigger field. Like have it play out over a month or so, where or on your main events you can have a tournament match for your lower card guys and then you build up i think that for me would be a bit more interesting than just doing eight man tournaments and especially i know there's talks of this global this global localization thing and actually doing a proper world cup thing down the line i'd love to see it actually like a world cup where you've got round robin groups and then you go into your knockouts i think that would be a bit more interesting um, and also an easy way to book TV for your next two months or whatever. Um, but yeah, lot a lot there, a, a lot of news. Um, Charlotte Flair's return seemed a little odd, seemed a little hot-shotted, a bit out nowhere. It made me question Ronda's direction going forward, and I think I think that's a big interesting point, especially now we're going into these. Uh, WrestleMania builds. I don't think Ronda in this run has been particularly good, and and I I do think there are a bigger matches with your other stars in the women's division. And where where do you see Ronda fitting into everything now? She's lost the title. Yeah, I thought the uh, we're actually going to talk about that in, in just a second. But yeah, I think okay. The, yeah, so actually we'll go through this chunk and then we'll we'll talk about that. Unless there's sure. anything else in that first thing you wanted to talk about. No, no, I, I think I, I think that's good. Okay, well, let's get the second show. We'll talk more about Rhonda. Uh, WWE talking with E about a new reality show involving real-life couples, leading some speculation perhaps Matt, Matt Cardona might be coming back because obviously the rumors out there and seem to be almost confirmed that Chelsea Green will be returning. Uh, coming announced that Matt Riddle is going to be act- out of action for six weeks. Story came out reportedly. It was because he was uh, being sent to rehab after a second failed drug test. He posted his first statement since that rehab report and essentially he was taking time for himself and was feeling good, so... Uh, we'll see what happens with that. Uh, Gable Stevenson appeared with Kurt Angle and SmackDown. Again, remember Gable Stevenson, the next yeah. uh, can't miss thing, and, and uh, still haven't really seen that much of him, uh, the Mania and then this SmackDown appearance. Uh, Shotzi announced that she was going to be out of action for six weeks. Jamie Noble wrestled his final match at a WWE house show. The company announced uh, a, a, both a UK and an Ireland summer tour, kind of a small tour there, but uh, again, kind of getting back out there. Again, uh, trademark was filed for both WWE King and Queen of the Ring. So some speculation there. They might be doing more of that, going back to where you're talking about with tournaments and uh, do maybe do something a little bit different. Uh, big news, Snoop Dogg's golden WWE title belt had gone missing. Unbelievable. Uh, <laughs> the company pulled Devon Dudley from an ECW tribute show. Bronson Reed, another return, uh, made his return on Raw and aligned with The Miz. Lacey Evans deleted some social media posts after sharing an autism conspiracy video, which people did not take kindly to. The company uh, continued this uh, Undertaker One Dead Man shows for pay-per-views, announced it was coming to Montreal for the uh, same time as Elimination Chamber. Becky Lynch versus Ronda Rousey, currently not planned for WrestleMania 39. I'll tie in to what we're talking about next, which is Charlotte Flair made her return to WWE on the aforementioned uh, December 30th SmackDown. 
out of nowhere and then defeated Ronda Rousey for the women's title. WWE India show, this big show that was uh, scheduled for January, was postponed. Drew McIntyre returned from his uh, ruptured eardrum injury on SmackDown. AJ Styles is going to be out for quite some time, suffering a broken ankle at a house show over uh, the Christmas week. Will not need surgery, but I said, he said it's going to keep him out. Uh, basically, uh, his longest stretch of, of not being in the ring in his career. So keep that in mind. Uh, Bray Wyatt versus LA Knight. A pitch black match to tie in with Mountain Dew set for the Royal Rumble. Uh, WWE held, held their annual uh, Madison Square Garden house show on uh, December 26th. Bray Wyatt returned to the ring and then broke his finger. So good uh, good mm. for him. And then Seth Rollins and Becky Lynch missed their house missed the house show due to their tour bus breaking down. It happens to rock stars every now and again. Um, I'll get your thoughts about any of that, but we'll, let's go to the Rousey thing, the question you asked earlier. Uh, it seemed like hot-shotting, and I wonder if Ronda is kind of like, uh, I'm good, you know, for now, or she's going to take some time off because she is kind of seeing a lot of things that – that we see in that this this run is just not it's just not doing it for people and maybe uh, again the powers that be Triple H and, and team are just kind of like well let's let's cool you off for a little bit uh, maybe a month couple months or something to try to try to get something back I can't imagine she's done altogether um, again she has a young family so maybe something's changed there and she wants to spend more time I it's uh she's so unpredictable in in kind of her and, and this is from covering her during her MMA days and. She's uh she again she's just unpredictable and, and the bigger that she's got the more unpredictable it's been in terms of what her feelings are going to be, what she wants to do how she really has been it's she's really tied in how people perceive her, so I wonder if it's just she's like um I'm done for a while and I don't care about the rumble and mania and all this stuff and I got more than enough money I don't need it, uh or if this was just part of some sort of bigger plan I I don't know I, I was I'm with you that I was surprised by that but I. I suspect she's taking some time off, but I don't know if it's self-imposed or if it's something that her and the company came to agreement on from a creative decision. What, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I mean, a few years ago, that Becky Ronda match uh, like felt like the direction for Mania. Obviously, you had Charlotte involved as well, but I think it just shows you've got to strike the iron when it's hot because Ronda's been very lukewarm this this whole run where I think a Becky versus Ronda match at this point would feel very very forced yeah um i i don't see i don't see what the direction is for her at this point um and maybe she's not even featured on uh on mania or maybe maybe she's for the tag titles with uh with shayna which also feels a bit of a a demotion it's yeah i i just can't she seems like a loose pot part at this point which uh which just seems bizarre to say considering the star power she once had was there anything in that uh, other chunk that caught your your attention? Uh, I mean, the Bray Wyatt thing. Um, just again, like we we've seen this when you had the whole build with Five Five Funhouse to the debut of the Fiend at SummerSlam, and it felt like the hottest thing. And how could they go wrong? And very quickly, it went very wrong. The whole White Rabbit stuff, which I thought was excellent to promote Bray Wyatt's return to the company. And this has just moved at such a painfully slow yeah. pace that I I've completely lost interest in it. I like LA Knight a lot. I, I think I'm I'm definitely higher on LA like Knight than a lot of people are, but just feels a weird pairing. Um pitch black match, I'm somewhat curious. I imagine maybe some kind of 
Firefly Funhouse kind of thing we saw with Cena, but with more of a live element. So I am intrigued what they're doing with that. But uh, I feel this this return has not been a success. Yeah, it it uh, it's just they've taken way too long with it. And again, he, he returned in what October, if I remember right. Mm. And we're just getting to matches now, and it, it just—I mean—he makes the appearances, but he doesn't do anything. In there's there's nothing where it's kind of like okay, we're the matches are going to help kind of elevate to this next level. And I know that you know the, the talk is always such a big star and and all this stuff, and you know going to build them for Roman Reigns or how they get there. Most people that are saying that are kind of like, well, how do you get there? Because he's not known as a great in ring worker. And mm. there's just that that starting that slide is starting where he's going to get big pops. But I mean, a lot of these people are seeing him for the very first time live uh, in person. So, of course, they're going to hold up the phones and and get into it. But it's just it's it, that level of intrigue. When I saw the the uh, Uncle Howdy thing, I was kind of like, OK, like some there's just something that's just not connecting here. And I guess we'll give it time. But it's uh, I guess we're going to find out the rumble. I don't know what this match is, but this is either going to change a lot of opinions on uh, for people like us to be like, oh, this is actually getting good again. Or it's going to be like, oh, my God, this is the the worms on the mat in WrestleMania all over again. And, you know, uh, left to his own creative devices, this is what we're going to get. So it's a, you know, it's kind of like junk food. You know, it looks good in the outside. And then a couple hours later, you feel terrible after eating it. You know, I think it might yeah. be that kind of situation. Yeah, I, I, I feel that with a lot of the returns. Um, and and I, I think this criticism is valid for AEW as well, where you, yeah. you bring someone in and the debut feels like a pretty big deal. Um, and then there's no real follow-up. I'd say Bronson Reed, uh, his return, which which you've got in, in the news here, that's something I think needed a follow-up the next week, showing this guy just absolutely destroy someone. Uh, Tegan Knox returning, it, it all kind of dies very quickly. You get that initial pop, maybe, but uh, there needs to be better follow-up. And if you bring these people in, I think you need that plan in place of, of what you're going, because... We're just seeing a lot of these characters just tread water. Exactly. And they, they lose that that luster very, very quick. Yep, I would agree. I think it's a big uh, big trend I'd like to see change for the year ahead is it's go beyond the pop, you know? And, mm. and outside, I have a, a plan for them. So uh, we'll see. So speaking of AEW, let's flip to that side of the street, uh, AEW slash Ring of Honor. So the big news of the month to me was this whole William Regal situation. And we didn't mention the WWE block because, of course, it started – in AEW, so there was this uh, obviously after turning on MJF at uh, at Full Gear, which we saw live in person, and it was a kind of, okay. Where are we going from here? So we're going with two weeks later. Uh, obviously, he appeared on the Dynamite after MJF did not, and then MJF made the the big uh, post championship winning promo, and he came out there and did the whole thing, very long promo, unveiled the new Triple B belt, and then. Uh, did the thing that people, I don't say knew it was coming, but his body placement behind William Regal was like, he's going to get smacked in the head. And then all of a sudden takes a brass knucks and hits William Regal in the head, uh, delivers a line and, uh, you know, essentially kind of sends people like, all right, well now what's happening. And it just seemed very strange. And so eventually what happened after all the scuttlebutt and talk about him uh, leaving was that he was leaving the company. And we had no idea what was happening for a couple of weeks. And then on a, a conference call, which was the Death of Ford's Honor conference call, 
uh, Tony Khan spilled the beans and kind of just talked about the whole situation. He talked about his mother-in-law or sorry, his, uh, his mother being, uh, basically detailed back months and months and months. His mother really fell ill. He was tying into this whole story about how, um, family, family is very important to him. She had multiple strokes and then, uh, William Regal came to him and talked to him about based about wanting to be with his family. Uh, Charlie Dempsey, we just talked about uh, coming over to uh, the mainland for NXT. And then also uh, some of the people that he had been uh, co-workers with for near 30 years, uh, 20, 30 years in, in WWE and people he got to know in Florida. Uh, obviously, the, the Levesque uh, regime change changed a lot of things. So he wanted to go back and he, he kind of detailed this whole situation. And Tony Khan said he thought about it and thought about it. And they talked again at like a 90 minute conversation uh, before um, the final show in Jacksonville that they had of the year, if I remember right. And said, she's like, yeah, we'll, 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 we'll do that. We'll give you your release or we, sorry, we won't renew your contract. That was a request. And uh, that Regal didn't want his contract renewed. And it was kind of, kind of some question of, did he only have a, cause he debuted at revolution. Did he have like a nine month deal? So whatever, whatever they had to do an early release, with some stipulations. And uh, part of that is he, according to Khan, he believes that uh, Regal can't appear on WWE TV for all of 2023. We'll see if that happens and whether, uh, you know, whether Triple H wants to make, you know, thumb his nose at the, at that stipulation, so to speak. And then, uh, you know, a lot of this chatter started after Survivor Series with War Games with, uh, when Triple H tweeted the montage of, of William Regal saying War Games over and over again. So we got this whole details. Uh, all these details came out. Uh, I was expected to start after the new year, which uh, did happen apparently yesterday as we record this, uh, January 5th. The January 4th was his first day back. He was going to have a vice president role. And yeah, this was just, uh, you know, this was kind of internet uh, internet wrestling culture at, at, its, uh, at its best or at its most fervent. You know, William Regal, not exactly a major character, but this story became such a big thing because no one knew what was going on. You have the WE element of it. You have the AW element, the whole contract thing. Again, you have this whole narrative going into this about all the uh, all the AW guys asking for releases to try to go back. And there's just so many different levels of this. And eventually, uh, he, he got what he wanted and is heading back. And we'll kind of see where things go from there. This was a fascinating few weeks, though. It really was. I mean, this guy got three write-offs on TV. Yes. He got yes. banished by John Moxley, and and we go in, we're doing our post show, and go, ah, that that looked like it could be the end of the Regal of Regal. Then the following week, he gets uh, laid out by MJF. So you're like, okay, that's his write-off. And then the following week, he sends it in this, um, like, if you are watching this video, it means I am dead kind yeah, of yeah, promo. Yeah, yeah, where course correcting a lot of things and i think this is something we see from tony khan a lot where there's he definitely checks kind of the the internet chatter and twitter and stuff um about criticisms and a lot of the criticisms were well we didn't really ever find out why regal turned on moxley and joined mgf we never really had that reason so this video was just tony khan kind of course correcting and being well i was I was teaching you a lesson there to to not trust anyone and all uh, that stuff. I I wonder, I think it was very interesting that Regal didn't take on any kind of responsibilities in AEW. And I do think he maybe did that with the kind of thought that one day he'll be going back to an office job. So didn't want to take any kind of 
role backstage, any uh, like official sort of mentor role or anything like that, and was just an on-air talent where he had Blackpool Combat Club and would flirt with Excalibur on commentary. And that was kind of the <laughs> the extent of it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I, I definitely think it was just waiting until that office job comes along. Um, I, uh, I get the whole family thing with his son being there and stuff, but I don't know. I, I've always found it weird in wrestling where people are like, oh, well, they must go there because their wife works there. I don't know. Normal people don't like working with their spouses or... And most kids do not like their dads coming to work either. So I, I don't know how much I take like the family thing there. Mm-hmm. I, I definitely see Triple H being like, hey, William, do you want your job back? And and that that's what I feel he loves to do, you know, the talent scouting, all that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, managed to talk Tony Khan out of his uh, contract. So power to him. But I, I, I'm a Regal fan, whether it's as a on-air talent or kind of the the backstage role he does. I, I think he does a pretty good job. But yeah, definitely the the most people have talked about Regal for quite a long time. I know. Guy yeah, being the hottest name in wrestling and, mm. uh, and all that. Imagine that. Yeah, I, it's uh, it's fascinating because it, there's this, uh, you know, this tw- well-known Twitter thread now by Rob Viper talking about AEW talent. And uh, basically, to paraphrase this, and it's, it's really interesting, potentially talent that if they're going before bring in talent, they should really vet AW should what do talent really want to be there? What are the motivations and all that? And, and so on. Mm. And uh, you know, I don't know if this could have been avoided. Um, you know, it, it ended up working out good for, at least for Regal, you got to go back, but I, I don't think AW wants perception of a holding cell or a, a place to uh, a holding pattern, a purgatory, so to speak mm. that, you know, and not everyone that goes there is going to think that, but, there are some people that just seem just now they want to go rushing back to WWE. And there's a lot of people that wrestle there too. And, and someone coming back in like an Andrade or something like they're, they're not necessarily going to get pushed like a main event level. They may get a couple week run, but as we were talking about some of these returns have been flat, you know? So I, uh, I hope we get back to the point of when you have talents coming in that they're there for the right reasons. Cause I think there are a lot of people there that want to want to make this into something big. And, you know, mm-hmm. guys like, Jericho and Danielson and, and Mox and some of these people really have kind of you know put their money where their mouth is in terms of, of being involved to the extent that uh, you want to believe somebody. Say. I know people have a lot of problem with Jericho for whatever reasons, but uh, you know with Regal, it's just yeah, I, I think it's a chance for him to make some money. But did he ever re- did he really feel like he wanted to grow roots there? And to your point, was he like I'm just kind of waiting until I can go back? Was that kind of always the plan? That kind of kind of unfortunate here because I think when you watch AEW, it's really this kind of startup effort and. To me, if you if you're coming in, like you got to be all in. Pun fully intended. I do think it's maybe different being a in ring talent to being like what Regal had because yeah. I, I thought what Regal had was was nice. Like it it the Blackpool Combat Club thing. He was definitely uh, added some seasoning to it, if you will. But was he essential? No. Um, and and I think that's where maybe he had a, a better time getting out of his contract than say like a, a Malachi Black or an Andrade where they're actually in-ring talents where they could go and wrestle elsewhere. I think Regal coming in strictly as an on-air performer and now being like, I actually just want to go back to my office job. Yeah. I think that definitely helped him rather than if he was wrestling week to week, was in plans for, I mean, Tony Khan said he he's had to change his plans majorly, but 
it, it's more of creative. I, I'm pretty sure his destination of singles matches and things are still the same. Uh, it's just, what is the story I'm telling around it? And I, I do think they've done a pretty good job. They haven't done the the NXT WWE thing where someone's gone and then we pretend that they've never existed. They true, have kept, true, yeah. they have kept William Regal as part of this narrative with the Brian MJF thing um, and with Moxley's motivations as well. So I give them credit for that. And the other big news uh, in the AEW sphere uh, was ROH final battle, their final pay-per-view of the calendar year in the third in the uh, Tony Khan era and did about 25,000 buys. It was an afternoon show. A lot of competition. Uh, obviously, they had uh, Deadline that got added to the the slate that night. They had um, also some college football, and they had uh, they just had other things uh, going on. So tough competition. And again, afternoon show is difficult for some people as well. Uh, In ring Ash was really good. This was a solid show. All uh, all all said, uh, Briscoe is defeating FTR for the ROH Tag Team Titles in a double dog collar match that uh, Dax Harwood just went into detail about kind of the details. Of that uh, on his second episode of his podcast this week, uh, both the it was really kind of changing of the guard creatively. Both the you know the ROH Women's Title, the Six Man Titles, and also the Pure Titles all changed hands. Um, obviously, uh, Wheeler Yuta picking up the title. We had um, uh, we had sorry Athena winning the titles. We had uh, Shane Taylor promotion. They returned on this show. We had uh, the Gates of Agony and uh, the Embassy with Brian Cage. They won. And everything. Uh, Claudia Casanoli obviously capping off the show, defeating Chris Jericho for the ROH world title. Then afterward, you know, the big question is what's going to happen with ROH TV and heading to Honor Club. That was the the, the big news at the end of this. And it was uh, it was kind of this. I I, I was wondering because Tony Khan was was very cryptic about certain things like, well, the future of ROH will be decided after this and even going into the show. He had talked about uh, he, you know, he was he bristled at some criticism about ROH content on AEW TV, and that there was just a lot of it. He's like, well, it's really just Chris Jericho and and all this stuff. But I mean, if you kind of watch, it's just the belts are everywhere, and so on and so forth. So I said, we're going to do less event TV, and then he's like, we're going to decide what we're going to do, and then finally said, well, TV whenever we have it, which is they expect some announcements. He said after Wrestle Kingdom. Uh, was coming to Honor Club, so people would have to pay, you know, ten bucks a month to see this. So I am, uh, I'm interested to see how that plays out because you're asking wrestling fans to pay for something else, which is, uh, you know, always the uh, an interesting or a uh, can be a tough decision for people. But as we know, wrestling fans are resourceful. If they don't want to pay for something, but they still want to watch it, they're going to find a way no matter what. Mm. And yeah, I, so I thought this was a good show, but I, it adds a, a lot more questions about. Uh, about Ring of Honor, when they start, how they do it, and whether people are ready, especially AEW fans, whether they're ready to take on another four plus hours a month of uh, TV content when, who knows, more AEW content could be coming at any time. And Tony Khan's talked about that, and the uh, the wrestling plate is full, so to speak. Uh, but yeah, ROH, I thought it was, it was a good show, but a lot of intrigue heading into this year. Yeah, I, I think it is it is disappointing, the the kind of going the streaming route with it. Uh, I think for for me personally, and I feel a lot of people will be the same, is they will maybe buy the pay-per-views, but I can't see watching it every week. And to be honest, that that's kind of how I've always been with ROH. I'll buy tickets to go and see an ROH show in town, having not watched any of the TV, just knowing I'm going to get some good wrestling. And, and that's how I feel with these pay-per-views. It's 
it's I'll look at the card and be okay. You're doing Briscoe's FTR. Cool. I'll I'll buy that pay per view. Yeah. I have no interest in watching it weekly on TV. I am glad it's that they're, they're moving away from AEW because I think that was a big problem last year. Was the Forbidden Door build and the ROH element kind of just muddying everything? And I think AEW definitely lost a lot of focus. Um, which we're seeing since Final Battle, I think the last few weeks of Dynamite have been very, uh, very top quality. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it is disappointing. I think there is so much wrestling out there. Um, I already mentioned earlier that I do the the NXT show, and I think since AEW came along, I think a lot of people are like, I've only got so many hours a week I can dedicate to wrestling, and something's got to go. And I think NXT was definitely way before the 2.0 branding uh a lot of people jumped off of nxt then uh i think roh is going to have an even more difficult job especially if you're making people pay 10 bucks a month for it yeah yeah it's another 120 bucks a year and i I mean i assume if they the the other big thing i've talked about before was their inability to get a streaming deal elsewhere you know um Mm. and you just talked about kind of disappointment there that uh even with their success, uh, perceived success with Warner Bros. Discovery, that they weren't able to get something done with, I mean, how many different networks does this Warner Brothers have under its purview, you know, um, that you couldn't get some sort of slot there. I think I think he's also running into an issue with what day of the week do you run it? You know, he's got this hard and fast rule about not going up against the NFL. I don't know, yeah. you know, to that extent how much that really matters. I think he's he maybe making that more into a thing that really is. Um, you could run third. I mean, there's, when to run it it's uh every day every day of the week is packed you know so yeah. it's i think it's going to be a case of maybe similar to impact where you know we don't really care when you watch it just as long as you watch it at some point and impact's mm-hmm. really leaned heavy into that so i think that might be where it turns out but obviously if you're trying to push quarterly pay-per-views you need some sort of uh action I, i'm i'm fascinated about how they film this how like is it something where they start doing stuff prior to dynamite they replace one of the darks i don't think we need two two dark episodes no. per week it's just overkill yeah i'm, I'm just kind of really i'm interested to see if, if it how it plays out and whether it is the in-ring i'm not worried about it's just storylines and whether it's worth the uh whether it's really worth the squeeze and again creatively how much attention does that take away from him um you know i know he he is uh he bristles at the, those mentions of being overworked but as you're running a whole other company that's 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 a lot of work it's a lot of creative work and hopefully it doesn't take away from the AEW product yeah, I, I think the uh, Jericho having the title as well was definitely okay that they managed to kick off this AEW thing with the name of Chris Jericho. I think it was definitely an experiment to see if they could land a TV deal with Jericho being the face of it and obviously just reverting back to, to Claudio being the champion kind of kind of tipped me off because that happened just before the announcement that maybe these big TV deals aren't happening. Yeah. Um, but yeah. All right, let's go through uh, some of the month in AEW. Ruby Soho and Hangman Page made their returns on Dynamite after injury. Of course, leading into uh, much different programs there. As I mentioned, MJF unveiled the Triple B version of the AEW world title for uh, knocking out William Regal. The company announced debut dates for Dayton, Ohio, El Paso, Texas, and Winnipeg, Canada, coming up in March for a Tuesday edition of Dynamite. Dax Harwood said that FTR have considered taking a year off TV wrestling. CM Punk still under AEW contract, and he was ready, willing to move on to his next project, so willing to do that. 
AEW announced that they were officially signed Juice Robinson. He challenged for the ROH TV title. We have not seen him since. Uh, Dustin Rhodes said that uh, this year will be his last in uh, last competing in the ring. Renee Paquette revealed her AEW contract length three years and that it was over two different deals, both a producer and a, an on-screen talent. A couple of Athena quotes made some news. Athena said that she, if she was a man, there wouldn't be backlash to her being hard-hitting and that uh, she also detailed this Essentially, kind of talking to you earlier uh, about earlier details, losing weight and unhealthy way to get signed by WWE and then being told while she was there, she was kind of she did this because in order to get signed, there were some hints that maybe you should slim down a little bit. So kind of just, a, you know, the body image thing and, and all that, which you it's uh, you know tough to hear about. Uh, Ricky Starks won the AEW Dynamite Diamond Battle Royal and then lost to MJF in a winner take all match as MJF's first uh, defense of the title. Soraya and a mystery partner who was uh, revealed to be Tony Storm. We'll see if that actually happens versus Britt Baker and Jamie Hayter was announced for the January 11th Dynamite in Los Angeles. Uh, there's all this Miro stuff. Miro uh, reportedly was eager to return where there's no creative plans in place for him. Uh, later said he's just sitting and waiting for the opportunity. And it was uh, reported later that uh, he had rejected some creative plans for a match at full gear and essentially didn't want to do jobs. And that was a big reason why he's not coming back. And he took some issue with that. But as we sit here now, uh, I mean, there's AEW dark talents that have had more matches this year than Miro has. And we still have no idea where he is. Uh, Chris Jericho talked about uh, how the Colt Cabana match came together. Again, Colt Cabana, ROH, this whole thing just won't die. And also talked about Dragon Lee, PCO, and Chris Hero being pitches to uh, fill in one of the spots as he was uh, defending his then ROH world title. Thoughts about any of that? Yeah. Uh, oh, where to start? <laughs> the CM Punk thing is still still very interesting to me. Um, I, I'm starting to kind of lean more to maybe they might work things out. I don't know. The, the news has kind of got a bit quiet um we'll see he's obviously still injured at the moment which might be a blessing yeah um to like just let things like cool and hopefully some talks will be made i'd like to see him back i think he he did uh leave a pretty bad taste in my mouth with the that press conference and the, the subsequent fight um but cm punk is always going to be in the headlines uh right through 2023 to see what happens with him the the miro stuff i just find baffling like how we have time for Jay Lethal and Jeff Jarrett on TV every week. How we have time for Matt Hardy and his contracts, multiple contract storylines every week on TV, yet we don't have anything for Ramiro just absolutely baffles me. Um, he's a guy like I'm I'm very high on. I think he's he looks great, he's 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 solid in the ring and just has a really interesting personality as well. His promos are very different and interesting to me. So I've I've no idea what's going on there. We saw the same with Brian Cage for best part of the year, where he just vanished and then started to come back. So I do hope there are plans for Miro going forward in 2023. Um, if not, maybe he's someone that that leaves. I don't know what the status is with his contract, how long he's got, but um, yeah, that that's the one that just puzzles me each and every week. It certainly does me too. Uh, AW filed to trademark Wrestling Bowl and Wrestle Bowl, and also MJF to trademark Reign of Terror. That was a phrase he used during his opening promo. I don't think he's ever, he might have used it since, but it hasn't really been like a big thing. Uh, Trent Seven made his AEW debut in an 
All Atlantic title challenge of Orange Cassidy and then uh, competed a week later as well. Not under contract, just a one-off appearances. Tony Khan said, as I alluded to earlier, uh, has tried to limit his Ring of Honor focus on Dynamite to just Chris Jericho. The company made a big hire, uh, former WWE VP of global TV production Mike Mansouri, hired to be a co-executive producer, and he talked about his decision to join AEW, why he left WWE in 2010, his relationship with Kevin Dunn. And, I mean, we've already seen some of the I assume he had some sort of input on the new setup and stage that we saw it. I thought visually it looked a lot better. Um, we'll see, you know, how how things go and, and their presentation. I noticed a few things like, um, you know, from the Seattle show, showing showing the actual city, which is a WWE thing, at least showing the outside of the venue or something like mm. that. And I think it's good because that was one of those things I, I thought about months ago randomly, just like, I'm like, they really don't do that much. Kind of show where they are. It's more, everybody's kind of inside the, the dynamite zone, so to speak, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and and AEW is is way more focused on what town they're in than WWE. You know, yeah. you're you're in Long Island, it's MJF country. You're in Pittsburgh, it's Britt Baker country. You're in Chicago, it's Punk. Like Seattle with Brian yesterday. Yeah. Like it's it's they are very focused on that. So I I think that's definitely a a good idea because the the city is kind of a character in AEW. Um, the set. I, I wasn't a fan of, really? to be honest. Okay. Yeah, I, I think the, I really like the tunnels. I think it separated AEW. It made it look different from other other promotions. The the color scheme of going with red and blue, um, it looked very, it looked very WWE Survivor Series to me. You've got your Raw, your yeah. SmackDown, and I think they should be focusing on trying to be different. I think getting, uh, I think an update for sure was needed, but getting rid of the tunnels, having it just more generic screens, um, it looked very WWE to me, and I think they should be trying to separate themselves from them. Interesting. Uh, let's see. Action Andretti defeated Chris Jericho in a much-talked-about match in Dynamite and signed a contract shortly after, so another guy to fit into the mix. Uh, again, the changes we just talked about, the look of AEW Dynamite, we learn we're going to begin in January, also Rampage as well. Uh, Chris Jericho starring a wrestling-themed horror film called Dark Match. Swerve Strickland formed... Mogul affiliates on Dynamite with uh, Parker Boudreaux and, and another guy who has not only really identified as a former minor league baseball player. We have no idea if he has any wrestling experience. If he does, it's very minimal. But uh, I think he's known as a Klondike killer on, uh, on Instagram or something like that. So, And this uh, this was this whole strange segment with Rick Ross um, called uh, Keith Lee a big motherfucker, I believe. <laughs> that made it through. Uh, in later teasing future appearances. Likes Tony Khan and kind of uh, explained that notable observation. Uh, AW Battle of Belts 5 was announced to be officially airing live after Rampage. So it looks like that's going to be a thing from here on out. Dax Harwood, in his first podcast, made a plea for CM Punk and the Elite to find a way to make it work. I think a lot of us would like to see that happen. Uh, just could be so much fun to see this whole storyline play out in TV. Uh, Billy Starks made her debut a dark taping in Orlando. Sting said he had plotted his, what he calls, quote-unquote, endgame. Darby Allen was going to be part of it. Kenny Omega also made his return to AEW Dark. I believe that was his first Dark match since uh, 2020. Uh, Dax Harwood said he wasn't a fan of when uh, Colt Cabana made fun of his accent. And Lance Archer said he was open for a quote-unquote slow rebuild and reinvention in AEW. Thoughts about any of that? Yeah. Um, I The Sting thing, I think we started to see come into play with, with last night's Dynamite with the... TNT title going back to Darby Allen um in a in an awesome match and a real great feel-good moment. I got a little choked up last night watching Dynamite, seeing Sting hug his kid, being able to do it on his own. And I think starting the build to the the one and only Sting singles match 
in this run of his career, being against Darby Allen, being title versus career, that kind of thing on a big stage, I think would be awesome. Um, I think Sting's AEW run's been pretty fun so far and i think ending with derby uh absolutely makes sense um lance archer open for a slow rebuild again he's just one of those those pieces he i always say he's in that cane role you get a new baby face champion and he's often the first challenger because he's someone you can you can beat but he's physically impressive you've got nyla rose in the same role in the women's division I, I don't really see uh, what a slow rebuild reinvention of Lance Archer is at this point. I don't really see a great deal of interest in him to be giving time to him on TV over other people. And I, I almost feel his his placement would be better in a in a New Japan pro wrestling. Uh, we see him do the G1 and that kind of thing, which AEW didn't really make a big deal of at all. Um, so yeah, I don't really see what's, what's there for him in AEW other than what we've kind of seen with him already up to now. Um, what else? Yeah. Rick Ross, (laughs) I think, uh, his in-ring appearance maybe wasn't as good as his stuff backstage, but I think he's a pretty fun character and having involved, uh, every now and then with Swerve, I'm kind of cool with, um, yeah. What, what about yourself with some of these? Yeah, I mean, I think the Rick, the accusations line from Rick Ross, uh, I, I, it, that was just, it was just one of those things that was just so funny when he said it backstage and he just kind of fit in in a way that, you know, something when you involve celebrities, it, uh, it sometimes it doesn't make a fit. I mean, I think of like uh, Jeremy Piven and the Summerfest line that he said mm. way back in the day. But Rick Ross, you can tell the people that are really into it and understand it. And he just, again, when you have someone that that you need him to talk and say something, he does it in a way that's so much different than other people. It's, uh, it was really, I, I enjoyed that. That whole segment was a little bit of a train wreck because there was some mistimed stuff and all that, but it was, uh, it was, a, it was a fun train wreck. It wasn't a, oh my God, I can't watch this anymore, but it was kind of like, huh, I hope they learn from this type of train wreck. But I mean, it, I, I'm, I'm a big Swerve Strickland guy. I think he's, I think if they, I don't know about this group. But I think I'm a big fan of his, and I think he's. I I really I think between him and Ricky Starks, if those two can have breakout years in 2023, that's gonna that's going to suit them well this year and beyond. Because I think those two guys are are really good and can really carry something pretty could be pretty special for them, something different. One hundred percent. Yeah, I I've been a big fan of Swerve for a long time. I think uh, when he sort of reinvented himself in NXT with with hit row yeah after he was just the generic baby face i think i think he's got a real great like heel swagger about him um uh, i totally see him being a, a big main eventer in this company all right let's go to japan and i'll uh the big news obviously is the sasha Banks stuff i'll we'll i'll go through all these and i'll kick it over to you and talk about banks or any other stuff here so this is when the port started with uh new japan bring in sasha banks to wrestle kingdom 17 we weren't sure what for we do now uh, we learned that the appearance was not booked through WWE and that uh, some of the contract negotiations between her and WWE we, uh, it was reported as very far apart on money and that uh, part of her deal with New Japan, there are multiple dates agreed to, and that part of that include a stardom show. Uh, there's some negotiation details about WWE that came out. So we obviously kind of know where this is going now. She made her appearance at Wrestle Kingdom 17, uh, challenging Kyrie. Uh, was, uh, depending on kind of where you said it, was, it was not that well received, and that, of course, led to all this chatter on uh, on Twitter and uh, and so on and so forth. 
as uh, as everything does. But she already has her first match lined up, taking on uh, Kyrie at Battle in the Valley in February in uh, in California. So we already have that. So it looks like her WWE days are, are done for now. We'll we'll see what happens there if she does appear in AEW this week. We don't we don't know. Uh, there's some questions about that, but. We had some some clarity of what our next steps are, um, and uh, it was good to have that because again, with some of these stories, this has been going on since May with her and Naomi. So to have some sort of like, okay, we have some, let's say closure, but some answers, I think was satisfying. So actually, before I go to the rest, I want to kick it over to your thoughts about Sasha and when this stuff all started coming out in December. Yeah, uh, I mean, I I said on our show of Poison Rana the other week, like Sasha Banks. To me, uh, the, the reports were she wanted kind of the same money as like your Bianca's and your Charlotte's. Uh, sorry, your Becky's and your Charlotte's. Uh, I think she's absolutely worth it. I I don't think WWE see what a star she is, not just inside wrestling, but outside wrestling. Uh, the fact that they didn't promote the Mandalorian at all. Like yeah. she was in a, a hot Star Wars product. And, and I think she does carry herself like a star um i i'd give her all the money um i do eventually see her going back there i see this being maybe uh six months a year of her kind of ticking off some dream matches there are certainly Kyrie's one of my favorites as well so a Kyrie sasha match without the restraints of a wwe kind of system i think is going to be fantastic um but being able to face the likes of like julia who i i see could potentially break out as a huge, huge star uh, outside of stardom one day. I think that match is very enticing to me. Uh, Shuri is another one uh, who's just been putting on absolutely killer matches in stardom. Um, there's definitely some kind of dream matches for me for Sasha Banks. Uh, ultimately, I do see her going back home at the end of this all. And maybe this is a uh, almost like a Cody Rhodes thing, like leave, make yourself a bigger name, a bigger star, uh, to to actually kind of earn that money she's wanting and force uh, WWE to pull out the checkbook and give her what she wants. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, I could I could see that completely. Yeah, let's uh, go over the rest of the month. I'll kick it over your thoughts. We had uh, obviously they announced that Wrestle Kingdom seventeen matches were going to air via tape delay on Access TV. Chase Owens uh, missing the duration at this point of the uh, World Tag League Tour. Uh, we got some Kota Bushi updates and that his. Uh, still having issues with his shoulder, but his contract with New Japan set to expire at the end of January. So some intrigue there about whether he could, could appear in AEW in the future. Uh, the company announced a four-day Oceania Cup event for Australia for 2023. Tom Lawler versus Shibata was announced for the Inoki Bombay event. And I don't know if anyone actually outside the country has still seen this as of yet. Tom had to do a running play-by-play, his appearance with uh, Brian Alvarez on a Filthy Four Daily this week. So maybe someday we'll see this uh, this footage. Uh, we had the World Tag League Finals for New Japan. Yoshihashi and Hiroki Goto uh, defeating Mark Davis and Kyle Fletcher in the finals. And also the same night, the Super Junior Tag League Finals. Uh, Leah Rush and Yo defeating Chris Bay and Ace Austin to win the tournament there. We learned that the Suzuki Gun Stable disbanded at the end of 2022. We saw that ceremony. Carl Anderson retained the Never title at the New Japan Tag League Finals. Of course, this uh, strange WWE New Japan crossover still continuing. Company announced her full card for Wrestle Kingdom and that there will be sections allowed to cheer, which is uh, crazy for us to think, you know, stateside and in North America and so on, that there's still this level of restrictions over there. But they can't cheer at a wrestling event, but uh, that's where we're at. Company said they were replacing the uh, King of Pro Wrestling trophy with a new title belt instead. 
And then Zaya Brookside made her return to stardom after uh, being released from NXT earlier in the year. Thoughts about any of that? Yeah, I mean, Kota Ibushi is the big one for me, uh, having had such a a strange year in in New Japan with obviously his injury, but then kind of all the accusations he was he was throwing out on Twitter, um, bringing the yakuza into it, and uh, all this wild stuff where uh, some stuff where you you think could have could have absolutely burnt some bridges there. Um, we're just coming off of uh, Wrestle Kingdom and. Uh, Kenny still like referencing Kota Ibushi uh, using the the Kamagoye in the match. Um, I I do see that is a destination that um, fans want, and and it's looking like it could be more of a possibility in 2023 having a, a Kota Ibushi involved in some way with AEW uh, and Kenny Omega, which is uh, something I'd absolutely like to see. Uh, the fact that Shibata is wrestling matches but not in new japan is quite interesting to me as well it is. um the going back last year to january 4th when he had his exhibition match with ren rita and getting the mic just before the match and saying like ah we're not meant to strike each other but fuck it we're striking each other um it's and then since they're not being booked in anything by new japan but having the orange cassidy match and now the Tom Lawler match as well. Uh, I find that very interesting. I feel New Japan may be nervous on clearing him, but Shibata absolutely being gung-ho with wanting to wrestle again. So 2023 year could be an interesting year for Shibata as well. And then the Carl Anderson stuff, which has just been so weird. Like us wanting, me as a fan, wanting those New Japan WWE crossovers and then when we get it it's it's carl anderson and (laughs) and just them being so intent to keep this title on him up until wrestle kingdom because a a tamatonga carl anderson match is what the people need um just just very strange when you're thinking of any kind of uh dream match scenario with cross promotions this ain't it all respect to carl anderson but this ain't it so uh, very, very strange, but definitely interesting seeing how how New Japan are are flirting with with these other companies at the moment. All right, let's flip to Impact. Uh, a few interesting notes here. Of course, the sad news: former TNA announcer Don West passing away after a battle with cancer that lasted quite some time. Uh, you saw the wrestling community uh, poured out their support for him. Uh, WWE, to their credit, Michael Cole mentioning him on TV. Uh, obviously, mentioned on AEW TV as well. So one of those guys that uh, as as much uh, as people did not care for Impact during a lot of the Russo run, the Dixie Carter years, there's uh, a lot of good there, and I think Don West was uh, was definitely part of that. Hard to kill for January taking shape. We had uh, Jordan Grace versus Mickey James title versus career match announced. Josh Alexander versus Bully Ray got, for the world title got the full metal mayhem stipulation treatment. We had more title matches announced. That comes up uh, a week from today, give or take, as we uh, speak today. Uh, John Schuyler uh, returning to the company, signing a multi-year deal. Josh Alexander said that signing with AEW was on the table when he was uh, about to be a free agent, but he felt he should stay with Impact instead. I think that turned out to be a pretty good choice for him because he had bangers like this one-hour match with Mike Bailey that wasn't even announced ahead of time. They just It just happened on the show and ended up being buzzworthy, uh, very buzzworthy, and kind of a lot of, you know, we're talking about with uh, Impact before being a, 
an on-demand company. This is kind of how they do this. They put on shows and they, when people watch it, they watch it. That's kind of what they care about. They did the whole match on, put on YouTube the next day and, and try to make a big thing out of it. Doesn't really seem to move the meter that much, but at least for people that love really good wrestling, they're getting a good amount of it on impact these days. Uh, speaking of that, Jonathan Gresham signing a contract with the company. Morrison Machine Guns regained the Impact Tag Team titles, defeating Heath and Rhino, and also Brian Myers and Rich Swan re-signing uh, contracts as well. So they're going to be Impact for a bit longer. Thoughts about any of that? Yeah, I think Impact quietly had a pretty good year. I yeah. think they made some some really good signings. I think Josh Alexander stepping up in that main event role. Um, he's uh, like, I love that style of wrestling. Like he wrestles like Kurt Angle at his peak and to me that's that's so like the the kind of wrestling i like to see the match with mike bailey was fantastic uh you've got the likes of steve macklin who i think brings real in wing in ring quality and you're now adding gresham to the mix i think impact has had a a quietly pretty strong year it just suffers from being the third maybe fourth brand out there now and there's just so much wrestling to try and keep up with. If you're if you're just watching the three WWE shows alone, that's seven hours of wrestling a week. You then factor in a Dynamite, you factor in a Rampage, that's 10 hours. You then, you're trying to watch an ROH pay-per-view at the weekend, that's another three, four hours. Like there's so much wrestling where I think Impact is gonna, you're gonna have your hardcores who watch everything, but it's gonna just lie in that thing where people cherry pick and you might hear there's a, a great Alexander Mike Bailey match and go seek it out later that week. Yeah. Um, but at this point with the, with the current landscape, I don't see what else they can do to really, uh, to really get any more viewers at this point. I would agree. Now we go to the junk drawer. This is the best of the rest of everything else from all the indies and, uh, you know, so on and so forth. MLW announced the War Chamber was returning for New York City in 2023. Their lawsuit against WWE keeps moving forward. Trial date to be determined. We'll see if that happens. I don't know if WWE wants to do the uh, uh, some of the early stage of that and, and uh, exploration. Whatever that early legal term is, I'm, I'm, I'm blanking on right now. I don't know if they want some of their details to come out, so I wonder if this may get settled at the yep. last minute. Uh, Blood and Thunder uh, taking shape. Their TV taping coming up for Philadelphia here in uh, just about a week's time. John Morrison uh, set for an open weight title challenge, tag team title match, and uh, more and more uh, matches being added to that TV taping. Again, MLW just kind of keeping on, keeping on. Uh, Shun Skywalker officially won the MLW middleweight title. I say officially because this match was taped a couple months prior and then finally made air in December as they uh, kind of go on that weird schedule. Cain Velasquez, uh, former UFC heavyweight champion, returned to Triple A. This is while he's on a million-dollar bail for uh, attempted murder charges. Uh, <laughs> got clearance to go to Tempe, Arizona. Had to pay for a security guard the whole time. But he made his return to Trios match for the company's return to the United States and uh, later saying that he and Daniel Cormier of course, a uh, former UFC uh, double division champion and also appeared in the uh, fight pit match earlier this year between uh, Riddle and Rollins. Talked about he and uh, Cormier having a match for AAA in the future. We'll see if that ever happens. Barry Windham suffered a heart attack. He was later stabilized and uh, taken out of the ICU. So appears to be on the mend there. Uh, Tyrus, <laughs> this whole NWA thing with Tyrus, uh, defending the world title against Matt Cardona. On their next pay-per-view, which will be called Nuff Said, that's coming up for February. Uh, El Hijo del Vikingo was revealed as the final entrant for the PWG Battle of Los Angeles in 2023. However, indie promotions that were booking Vikingo as he making his uh, U.S. Uh, debut around the country 
GCW and the like. Uh, unable to stream those due to a AAA policy. Some we'd mentioned actually last time, but again, one of those kind of things that's a odd and a, a bummer at the same time. Uh, night one of the PWG of or, uh, the BOLA tournament announced. Matches include Bandito versus Black Tarus versus Vikingo, Michael Oka versus Takashita, or Takashita rather, and uh, Jordan Grace versus Jonathan Gresham in a <laughs> battle of spouses, along with some uh, other good matches as well for that tournament. NWA signed several of their wrestlers to new contracts, gave another pay raise, uh, knowing that really, you know, moves the meter that much. Uh, Ric Flair saying that Jim Ross has, quote unquote, lost every bit of credibility with him over his comments on Dark Side of the Ring. Uh, oh, call the kettle black, eh? <laughs> I, I know, I know. God, uh, Velveteen Dream, the arrest footage, uh, one of his arrests uh, was released on TMZ. Uh, former WWE wrestler Jack Gallagher was uh, TKO'd in his pro MMA debut. Hacksaw Jim Duggan issued a statement after detaining an intruder during a break-in attempt. He pulled a basically pulled a gun on him and told him to stay, and the guy stayed as he was trying to break into Duggan's house. So uh, I, I was really just hoping. It'd be a two by four that he yeah. used to detain him, you know, or, you know, did that kind of so, uh, It was actual gun instead. Uh, again, talked about the Nuff Said pay-per-view. Conan uh, revealed he had begun dialysis and he recalls falling asleep in business meetings and having some health issues uh, as has been detailed over the past couple of years. Uh, FTR lost the AAA tag team titles at Noche de Campeones uh, in the uh, Wednesday pay-per-view. It was essentially running head-to-head with Dynamite. As FTR is, uh, again, losing their belts, uh, we'll see what happens with them. Umaga's son joined Booker T's Reality of Wrestling Training School. That made me feel old. And then uh, Ricky Steamboat uh, announced it, uh, revealed rather, he had backed out of Ric Flair's last match after learning that Flair had a pacemaker. Thoughts about any of that? Uh, firstly, I think uh, Vikingo is definitely someone to watch. If if you haven't seen him before, he is phenomenal. Um, I, I think it's, it's such a bad move. These, uh, I'd say the same, similar with new Japan with their gifts thing on Twitter. I, know, I think it's, yeah. it's, it's kind of free promotion. And I think if you, if you see a Vikingo match, uh, and you maybe haven't ever checked out AAA before and you go, Oh, what promotion is he in? Oh, he's in AAA. I want to see that guy wrestle. Yeah. I, I think it's such a mistake not allowing, uh, that to be broadcast um and he's definitely someone i see uh could could potentially be a like nxt target at one point once he's available hmm. um yeah the the rick flair comments rick flair just needs to shut up at this point i think it's uh yeah i think he you see stuff he's tweeting out it's uh, i think he's he's lost a lot of favor with a lot of people there are still going to be those people that absolutely love rick flair and that's cool but every time he speaks he he says something that makes me groan and considering this is jim ross the guy who lost his job because rick flair was drunk and talking out of turn at that 2k thing say that about ross is i think a little uh yeah pretty pretty sour and uh yeah not not too keen on that um more Umaga's son, more more bloodline members we need. So I know, I know, absolutely, right? absolutely go for it. And Booker T's school kind of obviously Booker being with WWE, they they mention reality of wrestling quite a bit on on NXT TV now with with Roxanne Perez and yeah. stuff. So I wonder if he's someone uh who we could see hot shotted as well. Um but yeah, I can't say I've got a whole lot to say about uh, MLW. I'm I'm still not sure if it actually exists or not, or it's just something that people say exists and it's a it's a big rib. Um, 
And then Cain Velasquez wrestling uh, for AAA. I mean, I think it just, that caps off what has been just uh, absolutely insane 2022 in wrestling. The fact that he's uh, on bail for attempted murder and is still wrestling is pr- pretty crazy to me. Couldn't have said it better myself. Uh, you can hear more of your thoughts, of course, on the best and worst of uh, 2022, as I mentioned on Prost Wrestling, uh, video as well as audio for those people that enjoy both. But uh, before I let you go, I want to give a chance to plug where people can follow you on social media and, again, where people can can watch you and uh, and hear you on a weekly basis. Go ahead. Yes, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Davey Portman. Um, and then head to poisonrana.ca where you'll find all the links to our our podcast, our YouTube channel, um, our social medias. Um, and yeah, we do a weekly show every Sunday talking about the news in wrestling. And then over at our Patreon, patreon.com slash poisonrana, we have a show called Best Match Ever where we look at people's careers, different match types. We're doing our top 10, uh, which we just dropped part one today, our top 10 matches of 2022, um, as well as just random movie reviews and that kind of thing. Um, But then every Tuesday, youtube.com slash post wrestling, you can hear our thoughts on NXT. Great stuff. Uh, Again, you and I had never talked before, so I would, but I had heard you so much. I'm like, you're going to be a perfect fit for this series. And I was glad you were able to make it happen. You close the door in this year, the last one, the series. And uh, I greatly appreciate the time you spent here today. Thanks a lot, Davey. Thank you for asking me. Yeah, this was great fun. And absolutely, let's let's do something again in the future. We'll, we'll, we'll mark we'll, it down for next year. You, come sure. and, you can come and visit our our show at some point. <laughs> oh, my God. What a gr- Oh, boy, what a dream. I love it. I love yeah. Davey Portman, thanks so much. Thank you very much. All right. Big thanks to Davies for stopping by. And of course, for all of you for listening to this episode and any of the episodes you listen in this series, I greatly appreciate the support. It was awesome to hear uh, getting tweets about it, DMs about it, and uh, Reddit thread that started. That was uh, that was cool. I greatly appreciate that. It is uh, has not got a ton of promotion from other people on the site, but uh, you know that's just the way it is. And I will take the grassroots effort and we'll keep this going. I had a lot of fun doing it. I think I estimated it was probably about... I don't know, 24 to 25 hours total uh, when it comes to recording time and also research time. So yeah, it was, uh, but it's a labor of love. It's a lot of fun. Takes a lot of work, especially making sure the guests can be lined up and all that. But uh, yeah, we're able to land the plane and here we are uh, in 2023. And yeah, as I record this, it is uh, Friday, January 6th at about noontime Eastern and all hell has officially broken loose in WWE. Vince McMahon is back. This is how crazy this wrestling news cycle is. Again, Davey and I record that show uh, we wrapped up around 3.30 on Thursday, and like within an hour, it was already, uh, already news had started. It's uh, It never ends. It absolutely never ends. So we'll uh, be looking forward to talking about that, or maybe not looking forward to talking about that. Uh, Vince McMahon returning to WWE and, uh, and the board of directors and all the uh, hell that's going to going to ensue. Uh, we have no idea what's going to happen, but this is going to be, I think, as always, a, a wild year for those that care about pro wrestling news. And yeah, Vince McMahon is back. How about that? Took six months for him uh, to get off the beach, so to speak, and uh, and come back. And yeah, I I don't anticipate good things. I will will see what happens, as we all will. But uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, if if you've gone through a series, which I'm sure a lot of you have, think about the stuff we talked about in January uh, with Brock Lesnar winning and losing the title uh, after the whole day one COVID thing when Reigns had to be out, right? And 
the last second booking with the decisions when it came to unifying the tag team titles, or, I mean, just think of all the people that have come back. Grant have been a little bit underwhelming, but you know, you, if you were one of the people that got uh, released in the last couple of years and all of a sudden this guy is back and, and, you know, I understand as of now at uh, 1154 on Friday that, you know, he's just going to be the board directors, but that just going to be is a big thing. And do any of us really think that a control freak, like, Vincent Kennedy McMahon is just going to stay on the sidelines and let the execs run thing things. Uh, no, I don't think so. I don't think you do either. So we're going to see what happens, but uh, I'll remain optimistic. But, uh, you know, as Chuck Daly said, great Pistons coach back in the day, that a pessimist is an optimist with experience. So keep that in mind as well. But I'm going to be optimistic about the end of the series. I'm going to take a few weeks off, kind of regroup. Got some things lined up. We're going to look ahead to the year 2023. It may not even be a couple of weeks, but uh, it'll be at least a week. And I'm looking forward to talking about uh, all this stuff coming up ahead, introducing you to a few new uh, indie talents who I've had my eye on and I think are making some big names and big waves, as well as uh, other wrestlers and executives as well. But yeah, again, I greatly appreciate the time you spent listening to this series. It is, uh, again, labor of love. Took a lot of time to put together, and I don't think there's anything else like it. Uh, out there. I know people do a lot of recap shows, but this is uh, pretty extensive as you've been listening to this. And again, I, I, I can't tell you enough how much I appreciate people listening to this and the feedback. Keeps me going, keeps the series going, and uh, continue to spread the word. You know, series is kind of evergreen. There's a lot of stuff to look back on. So I hope people enjoy it. So big thanks to all of you. Thanks to Davey Portman from Post Wrestling. And thanks to, thanks to you once again. Yeah, until next time, which will be probably in a couple weeks and not from a beach but from cold, snowy, northeastern New England. Insert catchphrase here. Thank you.